Hello everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Geopolitical Pickle Debates. Turkey is one of the best examples of what geopolitics are. Between Asia and Europe, it has had a privileged position and role in the history of both continents. After the fall of the Ottoman Empire, Turkey aligned itself with the West and eventually joined NATO. However, lately Turkey has pursued goals of their own, and after the interventions in Syria, Libya and Iraq, among other foreign policies, they have established themselves as a regional geopolitical power, powerful enough to sit between Ukraine and Russia in the ongoing conflict. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Geopolitical Pickle Debates. Today with me, I'll have Federico Caprari. He's an intelligence analyst for the private sector. We've heard him before. Thank you for coming, Fede. Thank you very much, Juanfri. We'll also have Milos Dangovic, Master and in Geopolitics. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you, Juanfri, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. And we also have uh, Ronan Wordswood, my colleague, which uh, today actually we can say that he is not a master in geopolitics anymore. He is a master in geopolitics. So thank you for coming, Ronan. Thank you very much. My extended insights will be much better now after definitely. finishing my studies. <laughs> definitely. You definitely learned a lot in the last three weeks. Um, so today, as I was uh, starting the conversation with, we're going to be talking about Turkey and what is his role as a geopolitical power right now? So the first question that I would like to pose to you three guys is, how do you perceive Turkey as an actor nowadays? Fede, if you could start. Yeah, thank you, Juanpri. So I think, uh, really, my opinion, Turkey is more of a regional power, even though it really strives to become a, a global actor with with all of the their um, diplomatic efforts in, in many areas, not only in their own region, like in the Middle East, but also in Africa, etc. But I think, really, in my opinion, it's still a regional, it's a regional power. It doesn't have uh, as much economic influence as other countries, for instance, China, or the US, or even the European Union bloc. So, yeah. yeah, I would agree with Federico. Turkey is mostly a regional power, although they have ambitions to influence many regions. And that's mostly influenced by its uh, geographical position. Like you mentioned, it's a bridge between Asia and Europe. And in some type of way, it's a gateway to Europe. And as we all know, Turkey is in NATO, but still the Turkey is trying also to branch out and it's have good relations with Asian powers such as China. And we see in this ongoing conflict that is very, it has very advanced uh, relationship with Russia as well. I would agree with both those points, I think. But I think uh, Turkey is quite a unique actor in the international space because it's a regional power, but because of its geography, it actually almost plays in between the great powers and the regional powers. It is able to influence the policies sometimes of the European Union. It can, I'm sure as we're going to talk about later, be involved in the the uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization with the Eastern Bloc countries, China, India, Pakistan, and then with Russia as well, and then it also is involved in NATO. So it really skirts every every region in the world. So I think it isn't a traditional regional power. I think it actually acts outside of that because of its geography. Since, uh, well, thank you very much, the three of you. <laughs> what do you think, Juan Free? I mean, I see Turkey, and I wanted to put it with um, 
uh, I wanted to put it with this uh, power competition that is happening in the Middle East. No, this power competition with uh, Saudi Arabia, with Iran, obviously also with Israel, <clears throat> but the focus of uh, the focus that we can give on Turkey is also for this leading position in the Muslim world. So there's more competition in that sense with with Iran and and mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. And I want to add one thing that I think it's interesting for analyzing what, how Turkey wants to see itself in the present or how Erdogan's Turkey wants to see itself. And it's uh, that recently they changed the name of the country, the official name of the, of the country from the Republic of Turkey to Turkey, uh, a word that is pr uh, properly in Turkish, giving them, in my opinion, it's also a, sta um, a statement of an entity of its own that it's not uh, related to a Republican state, for example, as, uh, as Western, we could say. So I'd say that Turkey is, uh, or at least the current government of Turkey, what it's trying is to look for itself in the world, taking a centered position in the, in the big scheme, in the, in the grand chess of your politics. So siding with everyone when it's needed, siding with no one when they want to. And I think that's uh, how they are feeling. But I want to start uh, with our conversation since we were all mentioning this uh, this uh, regional geopolitical uh, agency of Turkey. I would like to first mention the competition with uh, Iran and Saudi Arabia. We know that Turkey has, uh, with the Erdogan government for the last 10 years, they've actually pushed for the uh, cultural, uh, for, for, for the soft power in different regions of the world, particularly in Africa, uh, financing uh, mosques that uh, have clerics that, uh, that align themselves more with the kind of uh, Islam that is practiced in, in Turkey or that is majoritarian or as if you want to put the one that Erdogan is, uh, is a believer on. Uh, they've also put um, They've also established uh, scholarships for students from uh, everywhere in the Arab world and in the Muslim world to come to Turkey to study in the Imam Hatibs, which are the religious schools. And this comes as, uh, as in the competition with Iran and in the competition with Saudi Arabia, as in they've also been, uh, they've also been supporting different groups in the, in the war of Syria, in the war in, in Libya. So, how do you perceive this competition and do you think it's changed lately? So, uh, for example, Milos? I think, yes, uh, you made some uh, very good points. I think Islam in contemporary Turkey is used as a foreign policy tool, not only as a, as a way of uh, influencing their own people, but by also influencing the regions where they want to have bigger role. For example, like you mentioned, uh, Turkey financed the uh, building, building of mosques all over the world. And their version of Islam is a bit different than Saudi Arabia and Iran. Iran, of course, they are Shia Muslims, while Saudis are Sunnis, Sunni Muslims, and they also have some extreme Wahhabi Muslims there. While Turkey, since Kemal Atatürk was mostly like non-religious country, but we see resurgence of uh, use of Islam in Turkish foreign policy, which could be also aligned with Erdogan's with Erdogan's neo-Ottoman aspirations. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you a question here. It's a little bit off the general topic that we're having, but do you think 
since you've uh, studied uh, Turkey and its uh, external uh, influence, its influence in in the world. Sorry, do you think that this use of religion or this uh, re uh, reinvigorated religiousness of the state has to do um, only with a truly belief in a, in a <coughs> religious system, or does it have to do also with a legitimation of uh, Erdogan internally? I, I think it's both. It definitely serves as a legitimation of Erdogan's regime. You know, often he is called as Sultan, which is mm -hmm. again uh, connected with the Ottoman Empire. There might, there might be some real belief, like in Islamic teachings, but like I said, in my opinion, I look at it mostly through lenses of foreign policy. It is a power, powerful tool for Turkey, especially as a soft power, because they can brand themselves like, I would say, maybe even more moderate, more modern Islamic country when compared to the more extremist and fundamentalistic uh, Iran or Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. uh, Ronan, what is your perception in this power competition in between the three regional powers? I believe Turkey has almost been a third party to what was a two-country power struggle for a long time between Saudi and Iran. Um, they've come in as a uh, as a separate entity where both both uh, Saudi and Iran already had sort of existing blocks of countries that supported their version of Islam and were basically vying for the control of the Islamic world. And Turkey, under Erdogan, with his outreach and foreign policy, I think they've tried to infiltrate that a bit by looking externally, as well as looking in areas such as northern Iraq and, and Syria, um, and trying to influence policy within those countries. So I think Turkey can't really be seen just in terms of the Middle East. It's it's sort of Saudi and Iran, they don't really go too much outside the bounds of that region, whereas Turkey has some influence there, but they actually try and play outside that for the other parts of the Islamic world. So do you think we could call, in geopolitical terms, we have the the great powers, which uh, are the dominance in the in the, in the mm. chessboard, so to say, which are right now well, it's been uh, long-standing in the United States before the Soviet Union also was there. Now we have China as a mm -hmm. great power, but they don't have the power projection that a great power necessarily needs. Uh, Russia is a decaying great power. We're seeing it clearly. They cannot. They don't have any outreach, uh, and their economy is is really struggling. Do you think Turkey? would fall in the in the in the box of regional power or could we see a turkey that is a, a hybrid between being a regional power and trying to have its strength not maybe as a great power but its strength in every international decision definitely that's where it wants to see itself in my opinion i think it wants to see itself part of the table when you're talking at any different Uh, large organization, multilateral organization, but it's it's really not going to be large enough or strong enough to be a great power. So I would say, realistically, what we could call it is something aspiring cultural power, maybe where it seeks to uh, maybe 
use its its version of Islam in different regions of the world and have them more aligned with Turkey in the Islamic world. I, I don't see it actually aspiring for more than that, considering it's only, uh, what, the 23rd largest economy in the world. So it's not really feasible for it to be playing in the great power mm-hmm. game when you've got the likes of the US and China, which are 30, 50, 100 times order of magnitude scale of Turkey's economy. I think it's not feasible for it to play in those arenas. Thank you very much, Fernand. Fede, what do you think? Where do you see Turkey? So, so I mean, it's two parts, right, of the question, more or less. First is the comparison between Turkey, um, Saudi Arabia, and also Iran. And I think here it really depends on the area of influence. So we clearly see that Saudi Arabia and Iran have a very great focus on the Arab and also the Islamic world, and my brother. And Turkey also, as Ronan mentioned before, tries to position itself as a global sort of uh, geopolitical aspirational power, I would say. The best example here, I think, is highlighted by the fact that uh, Turkey belongs to NATO. So they are involved in a lot of discussions that are not really specifically to the Middle East or the Muslim or Arabic world in general. So um, I think uh, Turkey has a bit more strength in this regard, not only for being part of NATO, but again, all the investments that they do in African countries, for instance, and really this policy goal of uh, expanding the horizons of our area of influence, if I must mm-hmm. say. In comparison, I think Saudi Arabia has a very big strength in the, in the Arab world especially economic ties that they have with other countries, let's say Egypt, for instance, uh, let's say also influence in uh, Jordan. Back in the day, they had a lot of influence as well in Lebanon, in the politics and so on. Um, the same goes to Iran. I think they have a very, very big influence in, well, it's, it's pretty clear in Iraq, for instance, and they are really keeping that as their, their area. Also in Yemen, we can argue. And those places, um, for instance, Yemen is not a place where Turkey has placed a very decisive role in the conflict, mm-hmm. if we think about it, yeah. uh, compared to Saudi Arabia, Emirates, mm. and also Iran. Mm-hmm. Um, they do keep the presence in Iraq, but again, it is mostly focused for the, the Kurdish mm-hmm. uh, population there, rather than really uh, the notion of Iran, for instance, if we, if we make the comparison, specifically talking about Iraq in this case, Iran really sees it like, okay, we need to uh, sort of assert our influence in the whole of the country. Turkey is basically saying, I want to just have a secure zone in here, right? Mm-hmm. So the aspirations are different in the Middle East. Globally, I think Turkey has a bit more strength. And for that that you were mentioning, uh, especially with the current situation, uh, Turkey has, has launched attacks in northern Iraq and mm. northern Syria in the last years targeting the Kurdish groups in these in these areas. Do you think that it's more of a sort to say division of spheres of influence? Turkey touches that part, Saudi Arabia can keep Yemen. Iran is a little bit in between everyone because of the because also it's distance from from every battlefield in itself. Uh, also Turkey was present in, in Libya. Do you think it's more of that uh, of choosing their own area of influence or or is it I think it's a matter of rather than than just dividing sort of uh, the areas of influence is like the priorities of every country right so Turkey has a very clear security agenda in the Middle East for them Syria and Iraq is about the Kurdish it's about uh, the situation there regarding terrorism as well not only for the Kurdish, but uh, especially there are uh, Islamic extremist militants from Islamic State and everything that have been operative in also in Turkey. 
So they need to really secure a little mm -hmm. bit that border, right? And uh, then they try to fit these goals with the Saudi's aspirations and the Iranian aspirations, which are beyond, in my opinion, than just security-wise, right? And the same way as for Iran, uh, Iraq is a very important uh, political entity, and they want to really dominate the political landscape in Iraq, not only with the militias, but also politicians, Shia groups, etc. For Saudi Arabia, for instance, in Syria, what they tried is also to assert a bit of political dominance, while Turkey really was more focused on security, which actually works well if we think about it, on uh, all these priorities merging together and uh, having a more or less an understanding between these groups, even though if they are ideologically separated, uh, especially Iran and, and Saudi Arabia. So, so yeah, it, it really is an alignment of priorities that can work well in certain scenarios. If Turkey had more aspirations, more political aspirations in the Middle East, especially, let's say, Syria, I think it would be more conflictive. And when that happened, they really pushed back to their uh, security agenda. We put the military base here. We put some soldiers here. We secure the Kurdish area. We do operations against the PKK. And it's very highlighted by Iraq. Turkey does strikes against the PKK, for instance, or other Kurdish militants in Iraq, and doesn't really seem to be that worried about the political reaction that that might have. Mm -hmm. Iran, on the contrary, really tries to have all a bit of balance between the the Shia militias, the, the Shia political parties, and so on. So the priorities are different, I might say. Okay. Okay, I would like to talk a little bit, because I would like to measure a little bit what is this strength, what is this uh, weight that we give uh, Turkey as a geopolitical entity. Um, I would like to mention first, uh, what we've mentioned, Turkey is a member of NATO, it's one of the earliest members of NATO, not founding member, but still uh, it's been a member for almost 70 years. I would like to ask you, How do you see, if you see it fitting, Turkey's uh, goals in the geopolitical arena, uh, its proximity to the Shanghai Cooperation Organization? The latest thing of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, Erdogan said that they were willing to uh, start uh, a, um, they were willing, they, they targeted joining the organization. And it's an organization that it's uh, basically, it's not controlled by China, but it's its main, uh, it's its main actor. There's uh, India in the, in the organization, there's Pakistan in the organization. It would connect Turkey a lot, much more than it is right now with not just the Middle East or Central Asia, but also with East Asia. Do you see, how do you see this as a balance of power? Do you see this as a bold statement, Ronan? Okay, first of all, I think it really aligns with Turkey's foreign policy outlook. I think it basically Turkey acts almost somewhere as a geopolitical balancer. They try and play all the sides and then maximize their gains. I mean, logically, it makes sense for countries to do that, but not many countries do it as effectively skirting the line between East and West as Turkey. So I think we have to look at it in at two different things, right? NATO is a defense security organization the seo is in my opinion predominantly economic um it will obviously give closer uh political ties to between the countries if the if they were to join at the moment it is only dialogue but we have to remember that also turkey have long been applying to join the eu uh and have been pushed back and Really, it's, still, it's not looking it's still in the QS. Yeah, it's still, yeah. <laughs> and it's really not looking very imminently likely. Let's mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. uh, and so 
I think them talking to the SCO, the Shanghai Corporation Organization, is 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 um really just playing this game further further down the line. So now they're saying to the EU, look, you're not giving us these close economic ties that we want from you. We can look eastward. We've got partners over there. They can really play their position in between Asia and Europe. Um, and so I don't think it's necessarily anything ideological. I think it's... It's more... This could be perfect. <coughs> this is perfectly... Uh, what you are mentioning is perfectly geopolitics. It's a country that is in between exactly. two entities. It's geographically determined to... I, I would say it's a good example of them using their geoeconomic power mm-hmm. in between two mm-hmm. different actors to try and maximize the country's own be- own gain, really. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can even see this as part of their current acts within NATO, where they have been using the leverage against Sweden and Finland joining, uh, Sweden and Finland joining. Um, we can see their escalation with Greece. I mean, there's different actions that Turkey has taken recently, just to show that they have a bit of power within the different organizations that they belong. Mm-hmm. I would highlight a certain uh, domestic fragility inside mm. Turkey yeah. for them pursuing such a very ambitious foreign policy. Mm. We have to remember that Turkey has one of the highest inflation rates in the world right now. And economically, um, they do benefit a lot from these ties. For instance, when they open when they open embassies in Africa, right? They then develop trade relationships and investments and there, so it really benefits their economy. And uh, so, yeah, I think this ambitious policy, especially uh, approaching more the Asian side, let's say, has a lot to do with like a lot of economic uh, difficulties and, and vulnerabilities inside the country and ways to kind of address it. Let's keep in mind that China can be a very good investor as well. And uh, belonging to these organizations and having these ties is very useful for improving economic ties, bringing investments and trying to alleviate a little bit these, these economic issues. Plus, okay. portraying a bit of strength, right? Yeah, well, exactly. This is the best example that uh, Erdogan's foreign policy is quite pragmatic at all times. Like Fede said, they have really economic troubles in the last couple of years. And I think this attempt to join uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization is uh, directed more towards EU, as Ronan said. I think this organization could never replace the security guarantees that NATO gives to Turkey, but economically, as we all know, like you all mentioned, that Turkey is waiting forever to join EU. And now they are saying, look, we will not wait forever for you. We have other options. We are in dire need of some economic support and new investments. And it perfectly shows that however Erdogan is trying to balance both sides, that he, even being in NATO, in NATO is not 100% committed to the West. Yes, I would like to just to note here uh, to make it a little bit more more uh, visual for for who for our listeners, Turkey has an inflation of eighty percent accumulated by the by August twenty twenty two official official figures as well, official figures unofficial figures yes. I've seen much higher than that yes, well. yes 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 and at one point it was an estimate of hundred there were some uh, at one point the the estimate was that it was the second country with the with the highest uh, inflation after uh, Zimbabwe after Zimbabwe. Or maybe Argentina also was. Venezuela's Argentina, Argentina. after as well, but Turkey was yes, number two no. after Zimbabwe. Venezuela, Venezuela lowered a lot. Like it went much lower, obviously, than the thousand percent that they had before. Yeah. Uh, I think Zimbabwe was the only country uh, before. It was more than Argentina. Uh, this was uh, before summer. 
uh, the expectations that they would have. So just to make to make it clear that it's, it is a, a massive uh, a massive inflation. To compare it, the average in the EU is around twelve percent. So it is it is. And it is that's only better. that's only since the invasion of Russia. And that's only Ukraine. since the invasion of Russia. Yeah. The impact that the, right, that, that, the that target inflation for countries exactly. is usually two to three percent. So exactly. Okay, I would like to go a little bit into how much power do we see Turkey having, and I want to and I want to ask you about two particular issues. We'll start with the first one, obviously, its role in in the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict. Russia mm. has been Russia is an ally of both countries. Russia is an ally of both Azerbaijan and Armenia, and uh, we could think that there's nothing done in the in the region without Turkey saying yes. Now, sorry, without Russia saying yes. Now, what we are seeing lately is that a, a weak Russia is not really doing anything in between Azerbaijan and Armenia, whereas Turkey has taken a prominent role supporting Azerbaijan into everything that they that they want to do with uh, not just with uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, but with with Armenia. So how do you see this uh, competition with a former great power, but still a big power, even like global power, where they've found a way to be, I wouldn't adventure myself to be the, to say the decisive uh, foreign entity, but definitely, in my opinion right now, the most important external actor in that conflict. How do you see its competition with Russia in that sense and its and the value that we can put in the power that Turkey has? May I precise just something? Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned that Russia is an ally of both Armenia and Azerbaijan. It's uh it's but, got it's got agreements with both. But the thing is, just to clarify that the Russia and Armenia uh both belong to the CSTO, yes. which is basically yes. Russia's NATO, the collective security yep. treaty organization. So technically, technically, it's an ally of Armenia, but not of Azerbaijan, although they keep a good relationship with both. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, well, since I'm here talking, I would just mention it, right? I just think, just uh, no, of course, of course, of course. I think Russia does have a, a bit of a more prominent position in the conflict because of the peacekeeping uh, units that they yes. keep there, right? Turkey has a very active diplomatic uh, influence on the conflict, that is true. Mm -hmm. uh, especially, of course, uh, supporting Azerbaijan and everything. And they are an important actor there. But on the ground, on military developments, on operational things, Russia is very important. The fact that they are withdrawing a bit of peacekeepers or um, unconfirmed reports say they are withdrawing the peacekeepers, to be precise, encourages Azerbaijan to attack, even without the, the, the specific encouragement of Turkey mm -hmm. or even with Turkey's restraints that might happen as well. Um, Lastly, I think it's just a matter of the of the geographical position that Turkey naturally seeks to influence all that area, right? Armenia and mm -hmm. Azerbaijan. Mm -hmm. Milos, as well, of course, Turkey has even historical cultural ties with Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan is, if I'm not wrong, Turkic people as well, and they are Muslim. And I think now Russia could be losing. I agree with Fede that operationally, yeah, they have bigger influence, but now Turkey is quite important for Russia to evade Western sanctions, Russian banks and Russian people in generally use Turkey as a Turkish banks and people go to Turkey, it's the only European country besides Serbia that they can travel to. And I think now that 
Russia is our stretch, of course, as we see, and I think they cannot risk angering Turkey by putting more, giving more help to Armenia rather to rather than to Azerbaijan. And of course, we need, we see that they need more troops in Ukraine. So, if if uh, Russia pulls all of their peacekeeping troops from Armenia, I think that Turkey will uh, step up much more. They will have a clear path to support Azerbaijan, and it doesn't seem too good for Armenians, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. How do you see it, Rana? No, honestly, I don't have too much opinion on this outside of just being an extension of Turkish foreign policy, opportunistic maybe, you could say, and also it could be seen as more of a projection of uh, strength to domestic audience as well, that Turkey is maybe a bigger influence than than necessarily seen from outside, but yeah, I can't comment too much on Okay. And of course, uh, Azerbaijan is rich in oil and gas, and mm-hmm. Turkey, if I'm not mistaken, again gets a lot of and energy from the pipeline from, yes. from Azerbaijan to connecting Turkey, the European so. Union through Turkey. Yes, 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 it is true. Okay, um, I want to touch just one more uh, example of Turkey's uh, strength right now. There's many. Uh, Turkey has been fighting a battle with the European Union. Well, it's basically using its leverage. Uh, it's basically using migrants as leverage to negotiate with the European Union. So we saw its strength there, which it was. It was pretty clear that they could mm-hmm. get. They could get much more than the that that we could expect from the European Union because of. The, um, the 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 sentiment of anti-migration that uh, is reigning in many countries of the EU. So Turkey received uh, some money for keeping the the um, the migrants. And in my opinion, as a Spaniard, it's left to see if Turkey will, if Turkey will use migrants as a political tool, as uh, Morocco, for example, uses it with Spain. It still didn't get to that point, but it is something that I wouldn't take out of the table in the in the near future. I think they have before, previously, definitely used. Yeah, I would say that they're, yes, yes, they're yes, already yes, yes. used. They've it's already used sort they of use blackmail because exactly. it's going to take like a couple of million from Syrian refugees and for yes. last six, seven years they are stationed in Turkey, so yes. it can be weaponized at any moment. Yes, indeed. Lately, lately, as I said, yes. there was like caravan of light, hundred thousand migrants formed a caravan is, to go towards Greece. They wanted to go towards Bulgarian border, but the Turkish police. Tell them to go into <laughs> push them to go into Greece direction, but that caravan failed in the end. It dissolved. So, but still, those all those migrants will try to go to the Western Europe as their main target. And I think it's safe to say that they are helped by Turkish regime. They are motivated, not to say they are pushed, but mm-hmm. as we see, that is very very big leverage that Erdogan has towards mm-hmm. the EU. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I would like to go and touch on the, with the last for the last uh, thing to discuss today. I would like to touch on something that uh, Ronan was saying, and is well uh, that I extracted from what Ronan was saying, and is what power does Turkey have? So we're mentioning that economically it's not the strongest one, and well, we've seen that uh, it's got many of its issues. Uh, militarily, even though it's a big military, it's top five biggest militaries of the of NATO. Um, even in expenditure, and they are training their troops in different battlegrounds, so that's something to be perceived. But what I want to what I want to touch upon is their diplomatic power, 
and their role and the role that they may achieve as a diplomatic power. We've seen that now uh, for when uh, the, the Taliban were taking over, uh, the, the meetings were being held in Doha, uh, which is like in a state where they, they don't have much more than money, but apparently now they want to, to assert their diplomatic role. And Turkey has grown to be, well, has, has become to be the mediator in the conflict that is in every news outlet today, that is uh, Ukraine and Russia. Not just that, they've been holding they've been holding meetings from both sides, but at the same time they've been giving statements that may they were uh, neutral, but uh, sometimes they go a little bit more with what the West says. Sometimes they go a little bit more with what Russia says, as you were mentioning, Milos. Uh, Turkey is a little bit of a gateway for for Russian money in that sense. What do you see that Turkey is pursuing with this role of mediator? Do you think that Turkey can actually become that mediator force, or do you think that it will it be successful in in mediating between Ukraine and Russia? So I, I would take. I, I like I like very much Ronan's perspective of how Turkey behaves in a very uh, let's put it opportunistic, sort of, as an adjective. Let's put it pragmatic. Pragmatic yeah. and opportunistic. <laughs> pragmatic as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. Polite term. Polite term, <laughs> yes. It's, it's a bit of like a, a way of uh, ensuring they get mm, the most out of the current situations. They are aware of their privileged geographical position. They are aware of them belonging to NATO, but also having uh, well-established relations with Russia, so on and so forth. So if we see more conflicts in, in this area, in this region, um, we can almost certainly say that they will try to benefit as much as they can from that. And that will increase their, their uh, let's say, diplomatic power or diplomatic projection. But I think it is very, as it is opportunistic in, nat- in nature, sorry, I think it, it doesn't really add a substantial diplomatic value on the long run um, for, for Turkey especially because of the fragilities that they have in the government. Mm. The fact that the country is, well, many people label, label it as autocratic, for instance, um, that had a, an attempted coup d'etat a few, a few years ago in 2016, um, that have all the economic uh, issues that they have, etc., etc. I think it really is dragging a bit down the potential of Turkey as a, as a regional or even as a global sort of superpower. Mm. But... Uh, all these opportunities that they will have with wars, crises, and everything in the region, they will probably uh, make a good use for it diplomatically. Ronan, what do you my, think? My point was very similar. I'm, I'm really skeptical that it actually gives them any real power. I think Erdogan likes to believe that it does. Hmm. He gets there photographed with leaders from Ukraine and Russia, or for just in this instance, or at the Shanghai Corp, at the SCO, the Shanghai Corporation Agreement. Uh, I I really don't think it has the effect that he would like it to. But as you say, there's other Middle Eastern countries trying to do the same. I think they're trying to become more influential in the global arena. And this is a way they see a potential to do it. But I I really don't think that it will have any real effect in the long term. Mm. They just seem to become necessary for some situations, in my opinion. Exactly. For Turkey, it's like, well... I am necessary now for negotiating because I'm NATO and I have good relationships with Russia, you know? So it's sort of always been like the the, the, the resort that you have in certain uh, specific situations rather than being the global superpower that 
is always dominant or can project more dominance. I think. And also, I think also we have to always go back to Erdogan's thinking that the elections coming up next year, the yeah. more he's seen as a big leader, as a big oh, yeah. leader on in the world yeah. stage, like an American president or a, the head of the EU on that sort of um, spectrum, then the more likely he thinks he is to be re-elected, in my opinion. For sure. Yeah, I would agree with both of you. I think they're now using their position as much as they can. Mm. Like you said, when they're needed now, they're trying to maximize all of their gains that they could because because of their economic situation, they don't know in the even near future if they will be in such this position that they can blackmail EU and NATO or to try to get some gains from the Eastern power. So I think Erdogan, because of elections also, is trying now to go sort of all in, to be uh, omnipresent in all in all conflicts in the world. So he would maximize his potential to steal it all. Manfri, any dissenting opinion or what do you, how do you see the situation right now for Turkey? I mean, I see it as uh, you were mentioning, to be honest, I see it as a pragmatic force that knows its capabilities and is trying to maximize everything that they can. There's certain countries that use uh, every country that tries to get into, tries to have a different role than they are perceived in a Mm. way. They try to do it in a different way. We have countries organizing World Cups. We have countries buying uh, football clubs. Mm-hmm. We have countries investing in uh, religious schools. We have countries investing in in um, in mediation in international uh, in international problems. So I think that Turkey is trying to play Erdogan in itself is trying to play the best outside the best that he can because I think inside uh, he's not as strong as uh, as he would seem. Uh, there's um, there's a lowering in in religiousness in the state, uh, which is like you can you can find the the, the, the studies online. There's a there's a pretty there's a pretty reasonable uh, forecast of him not having a majority in in the next elections, for, with which he would have to um, enter into enter into government with even a more radical. Uh, party which are already supporting him but they would have to be somehow in government in a way so I think it's also a way of validating himself not just uh, externally but using those external gains that's that external image in order to validate himself uh, inside well we've come up to the to today's uh, debate I would like to thank you all very much. Thank you, Federico Caprari. Thank you very much for thank coming. Thank you very much, Pampri. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Milos Languvic. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you. It was an honor to participate in this. And thank you very much, Ronan, Master in Geopolitics. This is a <laughs> podcast for you to celebrate. So also thank you. I'm pretty sure that your opinion was much better than it was three weeks ago. No, you, you guys are an can, expert. You, you are got, an expert. You guys can let, let us know. Please <laughs> give, send us some feedback if I, if I sound smarter this week. <laughs> and for all of you listeners, we hope that you got a glimpse of Turkey's power projection that can enrich your opinion on the topic. And we would like to read your thoughts in the comments. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode of the Geopolitical People. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Thanks for tuning in to your political pico. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for more behind the scenes content. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you and see you next week.